Okay, wait, this is the remix. The legal lens is back at it again with Angela Red Eye Right. Go tell a friend. Unions in the labor movement, employment, law, and doing the right thing. Reparations in COVID 19, voting rights. The insight is priceless. Can't be a late talk. You know we got it. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens. It's time for the legal lens. Mix. Go, 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 go. Go, yeah, let's go, talk. go, 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 Angela, red eye, right. Hello, hello, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is the third weekend of May 2023. I can't believe it. This year is flying by and you are tuned in to the KBLA Talk 1580 Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright Show where we bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are broadcasting to you live from Lamert Park, USA, which is part of the famous Crenshaw District of Los Angeles and it's California Senate District 28 right yes and so you'll find out the significance of that in just a moment Um, but we have our representative California State Senator that represents this area so we are so excited to welcome her to her own district (laughs) which is home and you know what I you know those of you who listen to the show week in week out you know I love Crenshaw District I love the energy that's here Um, already this morning if you are in the area you want to stop by you'll see a festival Festival happening in Lamert Park. You'll see some folks spreading some knowledge on the corner of That's Crenshaw right. and Vernon. Right. And you'll see lots of construction because guess what? Destination Crenshaw is coming, which is going to be an amazing art project, which solidifies the legacy of African-Americans and people of color in the Crenshaw District in That's the right. Lamert Park area. So I, I love this area. And I know those of you who listen are like, okay, we know already. Stop it. <laughs> it's a but jewel. It's a yes, jewel. it is. I'd like to thank J Star also. She wrote our amazing uh, Legal Lens jingle and the remix. And so thank you for getting us going each week, J Star. And you can follow her and the great work she's doing in the music and the literary industry. And uh, just the overall, she's an overall creator. Um, and she, you can follow her on Instagram at J Star Music. Um, also, would like to thank all of you for tuning in. We could not do this show without you. So thank you for taking time out of your weekend to, to spend an hour with us to learn about the latest issues in the law and policy and in legislation. And we try to bring you issues and people that are talking about issues that matter to you. So thank you for tuning in. We could not do this show without you. Um, if you're tuned in, you know that you can follow KBLA Talk 15. On all social media channels, and you can also follow me on all socials at I am Angela Redock Wright. So, would love for you to follow, to comment about the shows, to give us your feedback. Let us know what else you want to hear about and learn about in terms of legal and policy issues. We try to create shows that are curated just for you and with you in mind. 
Um, you can listen to KBLA Talk 1580 anywhere on the go because like any great radio station, we have our own app. And so you can download our app. Um, so whether you are on your way to Lamert Park, planning to hang out here today or working out or spending time with family, um, driving, whatever you're doing, you can take us with you wherever you go and not only listen to the Legal Lens show, but listen to all of our other great shows and talents um, throughout the week, including our station visionary and owner, um, Tata Smiley, who has a, a, a daily show during the week, as well as Dominique De Prima. We all know and love her. Um, we are live in studio today, so that means that you can give us a call on our KBLA Talk 1580 power lines. Uh, if you haven't guessed, we have in studio... California State Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas. Um, she represents this area, California Senate District 28, and she is here. She's excited to share what she's doing uh, on behalf of her constituents. And honestly, a lot of the work she's doing don't just impact her constituents in the 28th century um, Senate District, but it impacts all of us that live in the state of California. And she is just, I appreciate her energy, her smile, and just her, she's like, you know what, this is important because uh, it's important that we educate the community on what we're doing so um, you want to if you want to talk to your senator uh, live in studio give us a call at 1-800-920-1580 and guess what you should call a family member you should call a friend you should tell them to tune in if they want to understand what's happening in Sacramento now what some of the key legislative issues and priorities are um, we're hearing rumors of a budget deficit you want to she's prepared to talk about that give us a call so uh, we can engage you in the conversation so with that I will just say uh, formally good morning you've good heard her morning, voice a little bit morning. how are you I am doing well thank you so much Angela for this invitation and I love that theme song I love that theme song so J Star did an you. amazing job thank you. she'll write a theme song for you too if you ever need one okay <laughs> and I want to say when you came in you put your bag on the table and it said boss lady and I love that bag because you, you know are what? a boss lady and this is a great show thank and boss ladies are important to our community getting the work done so thank, thank you for you. all that you've done for so many years oh. informing and protecting our community on so many levels so thank you for that I really appreciate it I didn't even realize that's what my bag says <laughs> I just grabbed a bag so I'm glad it's representing Represent. and so um just senator you might be interested to know um, in terms of legal news um, May 17th 1954 this week in history um, that's actually when Brown versus Board of Education passed the U.S. Supreme Court or was heard by the U.S. Supreme Court and they issued a landmark decision declaring segregation in public schools unconstitutional and of course we know who argued that case before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court the great Thurgood Marshall so we reflect on that important yes. moment in legal history History and that important person in legal history. And on a fun note, this week was Janet Jackson's birthday. So we're going to play a couple of songs. <laughs> um, just sending a shout out to Janet Jackson for her birthday. And it was also um, Malcolm X 
the great Malcolm X's birthday. He would he was born May 19th, 1925. So we'll be acknowledging him toward the end of our show with one of his his quotes that really gives shape to to what we're talking about today. Um, in the news this week, there's so much. One of them is the California potential budget crises, but I think the senator would possibly uh, frame it differently. So we look forward to hearing her thoughts on that. But we have California State Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas, I love her name, love her name, in studio. Give us a call at 1-800-920-1580. You don't want to miss this conversation. Come forward with us. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. This is The Legal Lens Show. And guess what, folks? We have a lot to talk about. Thank you for continuing forward with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is The Legal Lens Show. And yes, that was none other than Rihanna with Lift Me Up from the Black Panther movie. I just love that song. It just inspires mm-hmm. me so much. So thank you, Rihanna, for that great contribution for to music. Um, and it's so perfect for the, the today's guests and show where we're talking about some recent developments in the California State um, Legislature and um, developments around workers' rights and other initiatives that impact our community. And to help us with that discussion, we have California State Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas, who represents California Senate District 28. You heard her voice a little bit in the first segment, but I want to formally introduce you to her. Um, she'll tell us more about her district, the makeup of it, and you know what the the population looks like in her uh, in her district. Um, but her district sits, or the station fits, sits in her district in Lamarck Park. So uh, Crenshaw Lamarck Park is a part of the California um, District 28. Um, interestingly about the senator is she started her career as a journalist, which I did not know before yes. preparing for today, and became active uh, as a labor activist as representing and helping other journalists. And um, that led to her life work as an educator, a labor and community organizer. And you'll hear more about that as well. I first came to know her when she co-founded and began to run the Los Angeles Black Worker Center, where she advocated for and worked tirelessly um, seeking better opportunities for black workers throughout Los Angeles. And that coincided our um was consistent with the work that she also has done as a project director at the UCLA Labor Center, where she um, oversaw the racial equity um, initiative for the UCLA Labor Center. And she you'll see that she's carrying that same work in the California State Senate. Uh, she's a mom. She's a daughter. Um, and she just loves her community, and it shines through and through. So welcome, State Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas. Um, we had a virtual clap. <laughs> so, um, Senator, tell us a little bit more about your background and what brought you to this moment in time. And what what's your passion? What what's your why? What drives you every day? Well, we were just talking about mothers and being uh, an only child. Uh, I I grew up uh, with a, a single mom who was a warrior. Um, all things uh, in my life and who has made me who I am today and growing up we grew up together um she's a single 17 year old single Mm -hmm. mom we grew up together Mm -hmm. and uh too often we made a lot of sacrifices Mm -hmm. um and the decisions that we had to make between our parenthood and her livelihood Mm -hmm. um were tough uh and 
I always carry that with me in terms of why our families having to make those kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it with such dignity and valor, but at the same time, tremendous sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think too many families have had to make those kinds of choices. Mm-hmm. How do I be there for my family? How do I give all to my family? But yet I have to work two and three jobs to make that happen. And right. I watched my mother do that. She she started as a home care worker where she would sneak me into the, the house of the okay. white families <laughs> in the suburbs she, because she didn't have child care, wow. right? Um, then she became an LVN and I would be snuck into the hospital and in right. the waiting room like because, you, you know, here, do your homework, <laughs> that's be right, quiet. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then she went on to get her RN degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that point, she joined the Navy. And that's how we got from Newark, New Jersey uh, to, to California. And mm-hmm. um because she wanted a better life for me. And it was not a crystal stare. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love our community because we never give up. We don't give in. We keep fighting, particularly our women mm-hmm. who are heads of our households yes. uh, and doing it out of, you know, by any means necessary and making ways out of no way. So I, I carry that with me. I've always carried that with me. I wanted to be a journalist because mm-hmm. I felt like my mother's stories were never told. And oh, I wanted wow. to tell those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to work under Bob Maynard, who was the first black newspaper publisher in, mm-hmm. in the country okay. of a major metropolitan newspaper. And we were doing this thing called public journalism at the time. And mm-hmm. I was so excited to come out of journalism school. But what they didn't tell us is that journalism was a business. Right. Uh, And so when I came out of that industry, it was collapsing all around me. And Mm -hmm. so as an editorial assistant and a night news reporter, I found out I was in a union Mm -hmm. and that as uh, this company was coming to buy the Oakland Tribune and to fire all of us, we joined arms and we fought because we had a union contract. And that Mm -hmm. was my first introduction uh, to the labor movement was fighting for my job okay. with folks who had been in that industry for years. And so um, it, it was it, it was a profound experience and we ended up winning mm-hmm. that that battle. But over time, that newspaper closed. Mm. I moved to uh, work that was in Oakland and I went to work in Long Beach at the Long Beach Press Telegram. Okay. That's how you this came is to in Southern the 90s. Cal. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came back to Southern, Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that union was shut down and that newspaper was basically consolidated with four other newspapers Mm -hmm. in Southern California. And I decided to jump into the belly of the beast of sort of the most corporatized newspaper, the Chicago Tribune at the time, which Ah. did not have a union, of Mm -hmm. course, um, and decided in that moment, you know, this is not for me. Um, when I was the work, constant battles, the, the constant, constant battles of being laid off, and, and the thing um, that did it, I was a reporter on the south side of Chicago and mm-hmm. covering those southern um, uh, um, suburbs mm-hmm. where the majority of Black Chicagoans lived, and where some of the most horrific poverty was taking place. This is when they were fighting to shut down Caprini Green and public housing mm-hmm. in Chicago, and they decided to close that bureau and open a bureau in Naperville. 
which was this tony yeah, little the, suburb okay. of like 14,000 people mm-hmm. versus the million folks who lived on the south side of Chicago. And when that happened, I knew I was pretty much done um, at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up, you know, I had a friend, a sister, a, a mentor mm-hmm. um, who introduced me to the research she was doing with SCIU. She was she was actually my shop steward okay. Here uh, in, in Long Beach Press uh, Telegram. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she was doing a research project and ended up uh, having the opportunity to work on that getting a chance to meet Miguel Contreras and Mike Mm, Garcia, mm -hmm. who were at the time coming off of the Justice for Janitors movement to re-raise the standards after Mm -hmm. black janitors were laid off and shut out and their union busted Mm -hmm. to go back and reorganize that sector. Mm -hmm. And when I... You became... I became an organizer. I became an organizer, a researcher for a campaign that they were doing around private security um, and organizing black, predominantly men and women from South L.A., Mm -hmm. right, to organize them to have the same right to organize, unionize, and to demand better wages and working conditions. That work in the security industry. In the security industry, Mm -hmm. but in the same buildings Mm -hmm. with the janitors. So Mm -hmm. the janitors had this very robust and strong contract, but Mm -hmm. the black men and women who were sitting at the desk who were responsible for the lives of the folks, the first responders, mm-hmm. had no union contract, and the building owners were refusing. So why would you allow one group to have a collective bargaining agreement and not another? Mm-hmm. And so we knew that it was part of the separation, the division. We knew it was about pitting black and brown people against each other. We knew it was about uh, what Reverend Lawson called them, vertical plantations, mm-hmm. um, suppressing the labor and, and trying to dilute the worker power. I was so honored to be a part of that campaign where we actually organized 4,000 largely black men and women into that union, mm-hmm. raised standards um, from workers who had been in the industry for 25 years. And at the time, I think minimum wage was was eight seven fifty. Mm-hmm. They were capping out at $11 an hour after 25 years. Mm-hmm. And we were able to flip that where they were starting at eleven twenty five. This is before the fight for the 15. Right. Health care and full wages. And now their packages are, you know, in the really 40s strong. and 50s. Oh, I love it. I love uh, it. So it, well, it was a beautiful mm-hmm. transition. And uh, I learned so much in, the, in my struggle, in mm-hmm. my journey, mm-hmm. um, but particularly in that fight where we saw South L.A. stand up for black workers in a powerful way and mm-hmm. transformed that industry. Such an, I mean, so many of our family members work in the security industry. So such an um, impactful uh, area right. of right. work that you did there. That's and right. um, to hear that, the success, success of it still, yes. that they're now getting strong packages. So yes. there's so much there in your story. Gosh, we could probably be here <laughs> for a few hours. But one, a shout out to single moms. My, I was also raised by a single mom, supported by, you know, very supportive family. But yes, the sacrifices that our moms make. So shout out to your mom, my Thank mom, you. and the other moms like that. Um, but it doesn't sound like you set out in your life to become an organizer to uh, become a state senator like you know some people they at age two they're like I want to be a politician or I want to be this Um, so your life is an example of how you know certain moments can just bring you to the place that you're supposed to be. That's right. That's right. No, it was Mm -hmm. never my thought to be in in the California state Senate, Mm -hmm. but it was my thought that my people deserve better Mm -hmm. that my people deserve voice that Mm -hmm. when we look at our community and particularly the black community, particularly Mm -hmm. the women 
led households Mm -hmm. that we hold so much and we face so many overlapping, as Kimberly Crenshaw called them, intersecting barriers Mm -hmm. that the system itself makes it almost impossible Mm -hmm. to advance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with values and attitudes Mm -hmm. about women, about black people, about people who work for a living, mm-hmm. all converging against us. And the way that I have learned in my journey is that you break through that mm-hmm. is through collective action, mm-hmm. through coalition, through our storytelling mm-hmm. and our commitment for a more just outcome. Mm-hmm. And when we affect conditions for the least of us, mm-hmm. it lifts the floor for all of us. Indeed. And Indeed. Uh, that was a lesson that I learned and um, and my journey took me there. And really this seat in the state Senate is an evolution of movement. It's an evolution of every worker, every reporter, every black person, mother, uh, every who, janitor, every, every security janitor, security, guard. everyone <laughs> that ever connected with me and mm-hmm. shared their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and held arms with me uh, to to move things forward, and I'm so honored that they are still fighting for me and calling me and texting me today. Right, Don't saying. forget, keep <laughs> right? Your eye on the Keeping prize. you accountable, right? <laughs> Always. It doesn't sound like that's a problem. Like it, yes. it's your commitment through Absolutely. and through, from what I'm hearing. So, how tell us about your district, District 28? How you came to run for Senate? Are you enjoying it? And then we'll kind of we'll, we'll we'll be at our first commercial stop there, but we'll come forward and jump into some of our policy issues. So the 28th district is the heart and soul of LA County, and as many of my colleagues, how fortunate don't like are to you that. to represent that area? <laughs> the heart and soul, and mm-hmm. I mean that from South LA right up to the Inglewood border. Mm-hmm is my district all the way north to Olympic mm-hmm. Boulevard to the west Mar Vista Culver City sort of in the middle mm-hmm. and then we go all the way east to Alameda mm-hmm. into parts of downtown so it is the most dynamic part of LA County it's what makes LA County LA County it's right. what makes LA LA right. is this district <laughs> I love um, it. so I'm so honored to represent mm-hmm. uh, this district 1 million souls um, it's it is one of the most diverse 30 percent black, 30 percent Latinx, fully women, majority mm-hmm. women in this district. And so it also represents what makes L.A. special in terms of, of its diversity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this district in particularly being black and brown and female. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really the backbone of our of our county, mm-hmm. of our politics. And they all came out and supported me. Um, with a 60% victory mm. um, in this seat. so Wow. And what led you to run for the Senate? So, you know... Was this, this something that you put on your bucket list? It, I'm going to serve it, in the state legislature. <laughs> I loved the work that I was doing mm-hmm. um, as the founder of the Los Angeles Black Worker Center, co-founder of the National Black Worker Center Network. There are now 17 Black Worker Centers in formation or operating across mm. the country. What a legacy. Mm-hmm. What a legacy. Um, and then being at UCLA Labor Center where after leaving the Black Worker Center movement um, helped to establish uh, the Center for the Advancement for Racial Equity at Work, Care at Work, doing research and student education and engagement to really build a, a field for black worker organizing across the region. We mm-hmm. helped to stand up worker centers in San Diego, a black worker center in the Inland Empire, and the Southern California Regional Hub for Black Worker Center. So really, my work was so in fulfilling and exciting. Um, but then um, our now Congresswoman, Sydney Kamlager, tapped me on the shoulder okay. and she said, she said um, you, you, you're next you, to replace you me. You need <laughs> to pay attention to this race because mm-hmm. I'm 
I'm going to need you to step in and step up. Wow. And I'm so glad she did that. Yes. And such a legacy of strong mm-hmm. black progressive women leadership in this seat mm-hmm. from uh, Karen Bass to Holly Mitchell uh, to to Sydney Comblogger, Diane Watson, mm-hmm. how many others, right, uh, being in the state legislature representing this particular region. Right. So I had some really big, big shoes right. to fill. And what is it like being there um, in our last minute or so? Um, are you feeling like you're able to make the kind of difference you want to make uh, compared to being an organizer, running an advocacy organization? Now are you having to, to compromise more than you want or you're finding Well, there are 41 to... senators mm-hmm. and uh, we have hard work to do. I'm still the only black woman in the California State Senate. Mm-hmm. I am the number six black woman to be in the California State Senate. Mm -hmm. So if that gives you an idea of what it's like to walk into those halls and see those massive oil paintings of Mm -hmm. elite white men Mm -hmm. and say, this is this institution for me. Mm -hmm. I I know because of where I come from that it is. Um, and I bring the, my whole community with me every day that I'm in the state legislature. They're standing. I'm not standing alone. Mm-hmm. And so that allows me to say we can win and we will win and we are winning um, because we have so much to do. And our story is generative for all of the state of California, this district. So we have to do the important work of not just making some strides, but massive gains for our communities. Yes. Well, I, for one, am happy that you're there. Again, I don't live in your Senate district, but I feel like you represent all of us. So thank you. Um, Folks, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with California State Senator Lola Smallwood-Clavis. She represents the 28th Senate District, which is where our station, KBLA Talk 1580, sits. So we're especially happy to have her here. Give us a call at 1-800-920-1580. She would love to hear from you uh, we have a lot more to talk about so stick around as you guessed it folks that's janet jackson all for you and we're playing that song because um it was janet's birthday this week so we just want to show her some love this morning you're tuned into kbla talk 1580 this is the legal lens with angela show and we are having um one of my favorite all my sh- all the shows are my favorites but this is especially good because we have um a great guest california state senator Lola Smallwood-Clavis, who represents the California um, Senate District 28, which includes Lamert Park, where our own KBLA Talk 1580 studios are located. And we just had a sighting of our station owner and visionary in the station, Tavis Smiley. So, Tavis, so- sorry we missed you, but we saw you through the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for your vision and what you're doing here. And the senator, I think she wants to say hello to you. Hello, Tavis. <laughs> okay. So good to see you. So let's jump right into um, some of the uh, key policy issues um, that you're advancing and then just that are in the news um, based on what's happening in Sacramento. So I was surprised to read in the news that we are facing a budget deficit um, in the state after having a budget surplus last year and the governor's like, you get a check, you get a check, you get a check, you get a gas cart, you get a gas cart. And now we're facing a pit. How much is the potential deficit? It has grown. Um, In January, uh, the governor predicted that it was about an $18 billion surplus. And now that we've had a moment to look at um, the full financial picture, 
it's looking closer to about $31 billion deficit. And what is the basis for that? So there's a lot of factors, and, and I'm learning this as a, as a new state senator, but there are a lot of factors that go into what funds our economy. Um, part of it is a lot of capital gains. Um, it's personal income tax. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, sales, uh, uh, sales tax and, um, I'm sorry, business tax. Uh, and, you know, how well the economy is doing overall. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in this moment, um, unlike, you know, last year where we had a tremendous amount of federal investment in our economy mm-hmm. because of COVID, there were a number of revenue streams to help ensure that our economy continued to thrive. And, you know, Californians still were, you know, producing their 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 income tax. They were still um, businesses were still producing um, their uh, contribution through their business tax. And Mm -hmm. so our economy was far more robust than what we initially anticipated. And that's how we ended up with a ninety seven billion dollar surplus. And the legislature at that time made a lot of efforts to look at ways to really do some significant funding one-time funding uh, to really uh, expand uh, some of the important programs that we started during COVID Mm -hmm. uh, and to also, you know, to look at those programs that we needed to invest in because we had the additional resources and and made those investments, particularly around things like uh, housing, um, around uh, homelessness services. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, Fast forward now to, you know, this sort of stage of coming out of uh, a pandemic. We're not out fully out Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and we certainly haven't recovered from the pandemic, but we are moving further away from that state of emergency. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we see is tremendous transition in our revenue streams, Mm -hmm. and we don't have that significant federal investment that we had um, in in the past year. So. And you we, said that the deficit may not be as bad if um, the governor considers the recommendations coming out of the state Senate. What are some of the that's right, of that's those right. recommendations? So the state Senate, our approach has been to protect our progress. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that we're doing real oversight and accountability mm-hmm. of the dollars that we did spend last year. One, to make sure that they've all been spent mm-hmm. and to make sure that the programs are doing what the intent was for mm-hmm. them to do. And mm-hmm. so can you think of one example that might be important to our community? So like a uh, program that was invested in that if the governor strikes it would have dire effects. So one of the things we're looking at is actually um, funding to support homelessness okay. and, and uh, that HAP money, right, to make sure that we are investing in affordable housing and we're making sure that those hardest hit communities have access to it. So we definitely didn't want to fall below our investments. And we also think that there should be ongoing funding, right, Mm -hmm. for those services, given that um, we still are in crisis. And we just had a briefing where one of the fastest growing populations in our state of homelessness is black seniors. Mm -hmm. So now is not the time, Mm -hmm. right, to uh, to pull back, we want to make sure that the dollars are being invested and they're going to hardest hit communities. And then we want to figure out, even in this moment of deficit, mm-hmm. again, oversight and accountability, protecting our progress, that we are, in fact, making sure that we continue that ongoing problem so that we uh, funding so that we solve 
solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our other challenge is that because of the pandemic, um, the federal government and the state decided that we would wait and hold off on folks filing their taxes until October. So we right. don't have the full sense of what our revenues are. And so based on, you know, this bust cycle that we in, we see some of the banking industries um, uh, collapsing in some moments. And certainly in California, we're trying to arrest that mm-hmm. as much as we can. But we know that that uh, impact on, on Wall Street and on banking in this bus cycle is certainly having an impact on what the state um, can sufficiently spend. Right, right. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's it's, I think leaders like, and I want to give a shout out to our supervisor, uh, Holly Mitchell, who mm-hmm. was who was in this moment when we went through the Great Recession yes, and she yes. worked to put in some very generative reforms that we are showing now that are paying dividends in terms of rainy day funds, mm-hmm. in terms of making sure that the state is adequately spending and saving, um, making sure that we have, you know, uh, um, Office of Legislative Analysts who can help us give us a clearer picture on really what right. are our options to address right. um, uh, the, our, our spending and where do we make the best choices. Okay. So, you know, I, I think the state has in this moment has the right infrastructure for weathering this moment. And, you know, as we continue to have uh, financial reforms of our banking institutions, as we continue to ensure that we are distributing wealth um, in this state in a way that benefits all Californians, we have this boom bust cycle. Um, But I think we have some safeguards in place. I think the Senate um, has put forward a plan that basically says there are sufficient revenues that we could go after. Um, The Trump administration gave uh, absorbent, ridiculous tax cuts to corporations. Mm -hmm. Um, In California, we could just recapture, you know, we're not saying we're going to take all of that money back, but certainly there's enough there that could close our deficit tomorrow by just reining in some of that exorbitant, luxurious tax uh, cuts Mm -hmm. um, that have gone into profits but certainly now we're seeing um, the problems that we're having on the ground in terms of being able to have our state meet the basic right. services that we need. So, you know, there is a tr- there is a plan um, that the Senate has put forward. We're hopeful uh, that negotiations between the Senate and the Assembly and the administration continues and that we can come to a place where we have sufficient revenues to do the kind of work that the people of California need in order for our state to grow right. strong. Well, it's good to know that your voice and others are there to make sure that we're advocating that they don't take away the safety net for people who are already in a vulnerable state. Let's talk about um, the connection with your history, your background as a labor organizer, a community organizer, your commitment to workers' rights, and um, it looks like you've hit the ground running, maintaining that commitment, uh, even as a state senator. Um, One of your bills that's going through process now is Senate Bill 497, the Equal Pay and Anti-Retaliation Act. uh, And we have about one minute, and then we'll come forward and continue to talk about that and some of your other bills. But let's get started with that. So as one of the founders of the Black Worker Center movement, we worked a lot with worker centers who are workers who are not protected by unions and typically are in low wage. Um, unregulated sectors. Mm-hmm. And what we find there is there's a lot of health and safety violations, wage theft violations, discrimination violations. Uh, and when workers exercise their rights, when they actually file a complaint, mm-hmm. and it's hard to file a complaint against your 
employer. Yeah, even um, coming to the decision to do that. Coming to that right. decision yes. is mm-hmm. incredibly hard because this is your livelihood. Mm-hmm. And in L.A., you have two and three of these jobs trying to make it. And if you lose one, it can be detrimental to your family. So when a worker decides to file a complaint to come forward, um, we in California have to ensure that those rights are protected. And too often when a worker files a complaint, then they have a bullseye on their back. Suddenly mm-hmm. they're moved to a different location. Uh, their hours are cut. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they might face reprimand um, uh, on the job in display of other employees in, in order to create fear in the workplace. We're saying that Within 90 days, if any of those actions happened against a worker who filed, that the worker doesn't have to prove that the employer is retaliating. The employer has to prove that they are not, mm-hmm. which means that that worker can be protected. And if any of those actions happen, that the employer then will be held accountable to yet another charge, which okay. is retaliation. And too often, it's hard for a worker to prove that an employer yeah. has intent and is retaliating. And so let's take that off the table. Let's have the employer prove that they're not. It creates a rebuttable presumption. Absolutely. That's what we call it. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Exactly. And is that like, look like it'll pass? It'll... It does. It, it made, uh, this week was our appropriations process. So it was really looking at every bill um, and seeing what it would cost the state. Uh, and it sometimes bills, when you go through that process, they don't make it out. Uh, but I'm so happy to say that that bill has made it out. We're excited to see it move forward. Well, um, thank you. We'll continue forward with California State Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas. And by the way, we just got a shout out from Capri Maddox, who heads up of our city of Los Angeles Civil Rights Department. And she's saying she loves you, loves the work you're doing, and thanks for the support in her department. Thank you, Capri, for listening. A past Legal Lens guest. Continue forward with us. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Bright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Yes, yes, that is Janet Jackson. It's all right with me. It is all right in our KBLA Talk 1580 studios today. You're tuned into the Legal Lens Show. And shout out to Janet Jackson, who celebrated a birthday this week. This last hour, we have been in touch with, are speaking with California State Senator Lola Smallwood-Cuevas, who represents California Senate District 28, which includes our very own KBLA Talk 1580 studios in Leimert Park. Um, The senator is... Is, um, at her core is committed to issues involving worker workers' rights and uh, just community rights and rep, uh, issues that impact um, those who kind of are at the heart of our community, as she describes. So we were speaking about your Equal Pay and Retaliation Act, SB 497, which looks like it'll make that's it through. Right, that's right. Um, you also have introduced the Displaced Worker Protections Act and the safety, um, that's SB 27, and the Safety Net for Grocery Workers Act, SB 725. Those two bills directly impact our LA community and and many other communities throughout the state. But tell us about those two. So those are two important bills. One of the things we did as as a founder of the LA Black Workers Center was recognize how difficult it is for some communities to get access to quality jobs. Um, The displaced worker bill that I'm working on right now is reflecting on that 
when a company decides, particularly a large corporation that has over 100 chain stores across the country, when they decide to close their doors, they have to make sure that the community, one, is notified, so a 60-day notice, and two, that those workers are transferred. Um, We have seen uh, from companies such as um, uh, Starbucks, for example, recently in the news, for some of their practices, as workers have been organizing in particular, they have decided to close their store, and those workers laid off. Um, We don't ever want to see workers displaced and certainly not for exercising their right to have some say so over their wages and working conditions through unionization. Mm -hmm. So this bill is to say as workers are organizing, uh, particularly in the retail, particularly in those lower wage sectors, that when you shut down a store, it impacts not just those workers, but our whole community. And you have to have some accountability to make sure that those workers keep working. So this is supported by a number of workers from REI, uh, from Amazon, from um, Starbucks, Mm -hmm. um, who are saying, We want to work, we want to work in good jobs, and we want to hold companies accountable to our right to organize. So what exactly does it do? Because So you're saying they have to give notice. They I have think to that's give, been right. in place already under the WARN Act or the California WARN Act. Well, it has not, not, it has not okay. been for these this particular type of business Industry. configuration. Oh, okay. okay mm-hmm. So the 60-day notice is mm-hmm. is a new development. Okay. Um, and also it's, you know, really creating a right to recall, right, that those workers who are in a store that is shuttered, mm-hmm. that they be placed in a store that is nearby. Okay. And that is... Is new okay. um, that that is new because it, it actually exists in sort of the hospitality sector mm-hmm. um, but it does not exist in the retail sector again you know we thought these jobs these retail jobs are just sort of for the kids but increasingly this is the new industry sector service replaced right. the industrial sector right and right. so we have to make sure that we have some worker protections because if not we're just adding folks to the unemployment roles mm-hmm. and particularly in our community when the workforce is female when it is a black workforce when it is uh, sometimes an aging or elderly workforce uh, where seniors are working those mm-hmm. are the workers when the store closes that can't find jobs mm-hmm. and so we want to make sure that those kinds of workers are protected, right. and particularly when you have a hundred chains. So right, this that's is what not I was going to say. So this is a not a mom and pop. This is a huge within miles of each other, sometimes blocks of each other. So the idea is that okay, most likely you can place them somewhere else. That's like, right. Even though you're choosing to close down this particular store. That's right. Okay. And you don't have to lay them off. You don't have to put them on the unemployment rolls. Okay. Find a place for them to work. And, and are you feeling confident that that bill's going to pass? Well, this bill and SB 725 have been put on the Chamber of Commerce's job killer bill, even though, in fact, the practices of the companies are actually killing the job. So when you close, it's the company that's closing. Um, so we want to be clear about the narrative. These are job protection. These are job continuation bills. These are not job killing bills. So I want us to be clear, we are going to stand up for folks in our community to be able to hold on to the jobs that they have. Because again, it takes two and three of these jobs to pay for a studio apartment just a block from here, which is going for about $1,800 a month. That was the other thing in the news this week. There was an article in the LA Times about how individuals who work in the homeless services industry in LA County 
actually can't afford to live in. They're just like one check removed from possibly being homeless because um, their salary, they have, in addition to that job, which should ideally be a stable job, they're working other jobs just to afford to live in a studio or That's right. a That's small right. place. Okay, right. so the SB 627, the Displaced Worker Protection Act, does that tie also to your SB 725 bill, it the does. safety net for grocery workers? It does. Act? And this is so important because. I love my Albertsons on Crenshaw, mm-hmm. and this bill speaks specifically to the grocery store industry and this pending merger between Kroger's and Albertsons will affect about 8,000 stores across the country. And what we know about these mergers from pre- past experiences mm-hmm. is it means significant layoffs of hundreds of thousands of workers. And right now, that, cr- that Albertsons is my store. I'm at that deli at least once a week, and I don't want to see folks like Jamal through this merger, lose their job mm-hmm. and not be able to pay their mortgage, pay their rent, keep their car notes going. So this is about ensuring that if there are layoffs as a result of this merger, that every worker has a fair severance. Yeah. Um, some of the Albertsons and Kroger workers don't have collective bargaining agreements that have severance pay. And all we're saying is that for every year that this employee has worked for one of these companies, they deserve to have at least one week of severance. Right. And it's a whole other issue that we're seeing major market grocery chains leave our communities. So That's it right. definitely leaves a food desert in terms of the types of places we can shop. Food desert, mm-hmm. economic desert, job access, and certainly job quality desert. Yes. And so these are strong union um, uh, shops. Um, we know why that Albertsons has generations of workers that we have come to know mm-hmm. is because those were good jobs. And we have seen every single good job grocery store close on our street, the Ralph's right across from um, the probation department, now the, the train station um, to the Ralph's right there on Slauson and Crenshaw. Um, we're seeing the food desert and we're also seeing the good jobs go along with it. And so this bill is to say, how do we put some speed bumps in the process um, and at the minimum prioritize the workers okay. to make sure that they have service? And this is one of a package of bills okay. to protect those workers. Okay. And then I know just lastly, 30 seconds, you're passionate about the film and tax credits that the states gives out and how that impacts our, our local communities. Well, it's important that if we're putting public dollars into the film and television industry that our benefit is that it creates a good job for our communities and not just some communities but for south central communities for communities of color who have been long absent from the above and below the line that's in front and behind the camera what we're calling for is a fair evaluation tracking and monitoring of who hi- who's hired where are they where do they live and how long are they hired and retained in the industry that way we know again accountability and oversight that the dollars we're investing leads into good jobs for all of California. And how do we follow the amazing work that you're doing? So there are many ways to stay in touch with me. One, please visit um, our website uh, at sd28.senate.ca.gov or follow us on Instagram at Lola Smallwood Cuevas. 
Excellent. Oh, my goodness. There's so much more that we didn't get to. So we definitely look forward to having you back, Senator. Thank you, Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you're you. always welcome you're to come back on the Legal Lens Show. And so up next, we have Cassie Betts with Talk Tech to Me. And you don't want to miss that show. Next week, we're talking to State Senator Steve Bradford on his new Ebony Alert Law and Missing Children yes, and Women powerful. of Color in California and Beyond. And joining him is Sonny Slaughter, a law enforcement expert and I leave you today with the words of Malcolm X who was born this week he would have been 98 he said truth is on the side of the oppressed so thank you Senator for making sure that we speak truth to power remember to smile be kind to someone I'm signing off just for now I'll be back next week you're tuned into KBLA talk 1580 this is Angela Redock White with Legal Lens have a great day folks KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.